Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. You are locked on Mavericks, your daily podcast on the Dallas Mavericks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's a Locked On Mavericks podcast for January 31st. It is a Tuesday. Uh, my name is Mike Marshall. His name is Jacob Kemp. You can follow me at Machine Sports. You can follow him at Not Jack Kemp on Twitter. And you can follow the show at Locked On Mavs if you're so inclined. And if you would like to uh, hear us speak about your business, your local business, or um, you know larger business, uh, feel free to shoot me an email, LockedOnMavs at gmail.com or those uh, the appropriate Twitter accounts that I mentioned. And we could be talking about your business right here every single day uh, in front of thousands of people. Um, all right, so I spent most of the morning trying to find a uh, a two game uh, a win outburst um, that matched what has happened over the last forty eight. Well, it's longer than that now, but last uh, say sixty hours uh, in beating the San Antonio Spurs um, on Sunday and then beating the reigning world champion Cleveland Cavaliers last night at the AAC. And the closest thing I could find was back in uh, 2015. They ran off and beat the piss out of the Clippers, 129-99, to and then two days later um, beat the Thunder. And this is back when both of them were, I think they were top three teams in the West. I think it was... Golden State wasn't quite there yet. Um, so that's the closest thing I could find. Regular um, season, obviously. Regular season for sure. Um, and I just, I'm dumbfounded. Like, I don't know how this team went out there and beat the Spurs and then uh, just really manhandled the Cavs last night. It was pretty stinking bizarre. Um, I do think there is something outside of the box score something outside of, you know, being able to look at second chance points and stuff like that. And um, whenever you follow the league enough and you realize this is the time of the year when, like, nobody really wants to play defense and nobody really wants to be playing in general, (laughs) they just kind of want to get to the all-star break um, and be done with the damn thing. Um, And then, okay, let's get, you know, focused back for a push. But the Mavericks have been so, like, back and forth in their lineups and so um, just not whole that they don't give a crap. They just want to play basketball at this point. And everyone else is just kind of like, oh, whatever, we can go through the motions. But good God, that was bizarre last night. So many open shots for the Mavs. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just felt like they were the third or fourth pass was always being made. And it wasn't even like a closeout. It was just like, ah, F it, take the shot. Right. And they didn't hit all of them by, by any means, but I mean – 
like half their looks felt like there was just no one around. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you're going to probably win most of those games. Yeah. There was like one moment. The first quarter, the Mavs jumped out 14 to 5, I think. And Cleveland clocks a timeout. And they come over there and LeBron's yelling at people. And uh, Tyron Lue's drawing up stuff on a board. And they come out and they play defense for the rest of the first quarter. They like legitimately were like getting in passing lanes, like stepping out on people, closing out hard. And they got back in it and they were like, okay, we can, you know, that's enough. We can probably beat this team. Um, the, you know, just with this level of effort. And then, no, they were, they were wrong. They didn't want to play defense for the rest of that basketball game. And I think there's some kind of psychology to it as well in that they went into um, Oklahoma City Sunday, or they played Oklahoma City. I don't know if it was at home or. Um, yeah, it was in Cleveland. In Cleveland. They played Oklahoma City after LeBron has his little spaz out. And they hold Westbrook to 7 of 26 and play really solid defense and prove that they can be the team that they want to be. I just don't know if they had the stomach to do it on a back to back. And the Mavs win their first game on the tail end of a back to back against the defending world champions. Um, granted, they had no Kevin Love. And when they have no Kevin Love, nobody can uh, rebound on that team. But. Is that what Tristan Thompson's there for? That's what he's supposed to be there for. Yeah, I don't think he scored last night. I don't oh, think he, he didn't. He, he didn't have a point last night when um, Dwight Powell's out there against him for most of the game. They ran Salah out there for like two minutes. <laughs> and uh, like the next dead ball, it was like, get Salah the hell out of there. Um, but so over the last 10 games, we're getting to a point um, – where we have a collection of, of data that uh, is, I don't know, you can take it however you want. It can be concerning if you want, don't want the Mavs to win 35 games. It can be whatever you want to do with it. But the numbers can start the conversation, and that is over their last 10 games, including last night, uh, they are 7th in offensive rating. They are 3rd in defensive rating. They are 3rd in net rating. They are 1st in assist-to-turnover ratio. They are first in turnover percentage. They are first in fewest three-point attempts against them per game. Fifth in turnovers forced. First in opponent points off turnovers, which means fewest. Uh, first in opponent fast break points. And tied for second in opponent points in the paint. So all this groveling that has happened and all this nonsense that has taken part over you know a three-month span now, this team is starting to look, and not even a full complement, um, I mean, Darren's out, JJ's out, and Bogut's out for a lot of that. They're starting to look like a Rick Carlisle team. And if you're wanting that top five pick, this should this should very much concern you. <laughs> yeah, and the other thing that I would add in there is we don't have in front of us, or at least I don't, their uh, schedule regression, like what the remaining schedule is. I'm sure someone's right. done this, and you could probably find it. But, mm. I mean, I can bet you that it's – uh, it's not going to be the flip side of where they are now. Like I think when I looked the other day, they were now they're now down to third. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be twenty eighth the rest of the way. But even if they're fifteenth, you have to bake in like a little bit. Uh, you know, maybe a ten percent to twenty percent more wins. Mm-hmm. Um, but in reality, though, these two games right here are the ones that if 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 we're speaking hypothetically about the draft pick, these are the ones that should worry you. Yeah. Because I knew that they were going to – I think they'll play 500 for the rest of the season. 
um, which would, I think, get them to 32, maybe 33 mm-hmm. before yesterday. But if you win these and you don't lose other games on the other side of it, yeah, uh, then you're going to be at more like 36. Yeah, if you don't lose any weird games, if you don't drop which, one to uh, Detroit which or something. I think that we, we've we done this. Again, we're doing a daily podcast. So we're riding this wave. <laughs> There's been at least twice now where you've been like, okay, yeah, maybe it is what we thought. Yeah. So I think it seems weird whenever you beat, you know, the Spurs and the Cavs. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I I kind of still feel like there's going to be, you know, a stretch where they lose to like, even though Denver's the eight seed right now, like they lose to Denver and Phoenix and like yeah. the Knicks or something. I don't even know what the rest of their schedule looks like on bad teams. But I guess what I'm saying is if I say their schedule's been really hard so far, and it means that they're going to play a lot of easier games down the stretch. They're going to lose a couple of those games you would not expect them to lose. Yeah, well, and there's going to be nights that they're just going to be outflanked. And injury, too. Like, they're they're yeah, beat up now. Saying. Obviously, Bogut's injury is a probably a positive at this point. Yeah, dep- depending on the team that they're playing against, for sure. That's true. Like, last night, it, it actually worked in their favor because they, did, they, didn't, they didn't have to use him at all. And right. Cleveland, Cleveland was going ultra small because LeBron was playing the four and Love was out, but... There will be nights where they have a start the game, you are going to lose because this team rolls out basically two centers or something like that. Um, and there's a handful of teams that can do that. Um, and it's just, you know, uh, that's their path through this season. Um, they're going to take their advantages, you know, on the boards and uh, stuff like that. Basically places where Cleveland couldn't take advantage last night, which was rebounding, second chance points, they're awful in transition. They're awful at defending the pick and roll ball handler, um, and that's the Mavs picked them apart. And there are going to be nights when they play, say Denver, and no one can guard uh, Jokic. Um, there are going to be nights when they play Utah coming up pretty soon, and Gobert is going to go off for thirty and twenty, and they're going to have nothing to say about it. And depending on what Boston does, pretty soon, like there's going to be nights where you just won't have the horses, and. Um, I think, uh, Followell and I finally had our, you know, how do you feel about this conversation last night? Um, because the first time, first couple times I hosted, I think it was like, oh, these injuries, everybody's hurt. You know, let's just see what they are whenever they get back. And now they're back and now they're playing really well. And he asked me, you know, do you want, do you want them to try and lose still? Do you want them to, um, you know use the the T word tank do you want them to you know not play to the top of their ability and I told him you know I'm gonna be pissed off if they don't have a top five pick but I'm gonna be pissed off for the right kind of reasons and that's because I want a quick rebuild I want the most talent on this team going forward but if you're actually gonna take some of these young players seriously and their develops development seriously namely Seth Curry uh, and now we can include Yogi Ferrell in that mix I think I think developing these young dudes alongside a number seven pick is more important to me than not developing these young dudes and getting the number four pick. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, but the problem is is that those dudes are helping you win. Yeah, well exactly. Yeah. So I mean they're playing they're playing well enough to win. So as long as you're developing them, then it doesn't really matter the outcome. Uh well it does matter, but it's you're not you're not sacrificing uh, development uh, by paying with losses. Yeah. 
you're still developing, and if those guys who are developing end up losing, then I, you know, that makes it a lot easier to take. But whenever I'm getting, you know, whenever I'm getting 24 point nights from uh, from from uh, from Curry the other night and 19 from Pharrell last night, and uh, you know, it's another 16 from Curry last night, and Powell's giving you 14 and eight. Mm-hmm. If they win doing that, then you know, fuck it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know how many teams they're gonna beat doing that, but if they can win with uh, Yogi Ferrell going for uh, whatever it was, nineteen like six and three or something like that, um, and he finally turned the ball over. By the way, it took into the third quarter, but he finally had a turnover um, playing thirty-eight minutes <laughs> in his first two games. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, Look, he's did, obviously a cut above Pierre Jackson, but I don't, I don't know what to do with him. Yeah, I don't either, and especially since, uh, well, th- the thing is that Berea's deal is not that bad, especially for what he's been able to give them, mm-hmm. uh, and it's the second year of it, right? So uh, yes, he's got two more years left, and on the, the cap hit that it is, it's not that bad. But I wouldn't be surprised at all if JJ Bray can't play next year. I wouldn't be surprised. Mm-hmm. I'd be less surprised for. Harris to bail than I would for JJ, but let's say that Harris is done after this year. Let's say that JJ is done after next year. He tries to play next year and mm-hmm. he can't really. You're going to need guys like I mean Curry's borderline a starter. I think he's your sixth man. Yeah, but you're going to need a guy like Pharrell to fill that role. I mean, the Cavs would kill for Yogi Pharrell right now. Yeah, like their backup point guard position is I mean, just garbage. Backup and that- point and the, really they don't really have any uh, backup scoring. Per se. I mean, they're working out Kirk Heinrich and Lance Stevenson today. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, after JR went down, they got. They've tried Liggins. Yeah. But he hasn't hasn't played enough. No. And Jordan McCray played all right for like a five minute burst. He scored like nine points in the second. And I was like, okay, who the hell are you? And then he just disappeared for the rest of the game. And I think, honestly, I think like that situation, the backup point guard position, is what's driving LeBron insane. Um, Because whenever Kyrie goes to the bench, he knows they can't generate offense consistently without him running point. And he doesn't want to have to play 37 minutes a night and run point for 20 of them. He just doesn't. He doesn't want to kill himself to get the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. And that's why he's been bitching consistently. And, um, you know, he's upset about, I don't know what he wants them to do. They can't, they basically can't spend any more than they have. But, um, well, they can, but they'll have to pay them $2.50 on the, they have to pay, yeah, they have to pay two fifty or you know, twenty five to every ten, whatever, mm-hmm. to sign like a, anybody, even a ten day deal. They're going to be paying like yeah a, a million and a half dollars for. That's absurd, um, God but Almighty! What they should have been doing is probably not playing LeBron this much from the beginning. Yeah, and and who cares if they don't finish first in the East? I mean, it doesn't he's, matter. He's, he's playing too much, dude. And he's playing weight. He's playing more minutes than like he's playing like the most minutes in the league right now, isn't he? Or something uh, like that. It's got to be up there. I can find that. But he's playing way too much, and he's every night he goes into it, and right, especially when Kevin Love's out, um, he knows that. Yeah, I could probably drag these guys to be competitive in the final minute of this game. I could probably spaz out, go psycho, uh, take over this fourth quarter, and maybe we're competitive down to the last thirty seconds of this game. But I don't want to teach these guys to do that. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to carry this whole effing team. Uh, for the rest of this season, and that's I understand his frustration. Like he's not dumb, he's not wrong. LeBron's but... actually eleventh in minutes played, but mm-hmm. if you look at the list of guys he's behind, uh, they're 
all considerably younger than him, other than maybe Ariza. I think it's, on, I think it was like the most minutes he's played in a really long time, or something. Oh, like most that. minutes he's played. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. On pace for yeah. Barnes is actually seventh. Wow. I did not expect that. Let's see. Yeah, he's playing thirty-seven-five. That's the most in the last. Yeah. Uh, four years ago, he played 37-7 at age 29. But, yeah, the, this should be going the opposite direction um, for him. And instead, this year it's ticking up because they just don't have a backup point and they lean too much on him. Um, one more thing, I guess, before we get to some of these comments. Um, update on my uh, wide-open shot stat since Seth Curry's been starting. So prior to Seth Curry starting, uh, the Mavericks were generating 42.7 wide-open shots, so four feet or more. So they do. They classify four to six feet, and then six feet to wide open. I just combine those because those are good shots. Right. Um, so prior to basically January twelfth, the Mavericks were creating forty-two point seven um, wide open shots per game. Since Seth Curry has been starting, the Mavericks are generating forty-six point four wide open shots per game. So almost four more wide open shots a game with Seth Curry in the starting lineup. Uh, the percentages, obviously, 52% of the shots were wide open prior to Seth starting, 55.7 afterwards. And I don't know if it's all him, but, I mean, he's been – he's really stinking good, man. <laughs> like, I'm starting to get a little drunk on Seth Curry. Yeah, and we probably – I mean, obviously, we all have to kind of try to chill. But, I mean, the reality is, is he's been good for a pretty long time now. Mm-hmm. Um, like, at least this season. And he was pretty good last season. I mean – he shot 45% from three on <clears throat> 111 NBA threes last year. Yeah. He's at 42% on 188 this year. If he ends up at, you know, taking 323s this year and shoots 41%, like, that's pretty for real. That's and what a, about, that's and a what damn a, good player. First, two things. What about yeah. his shot do you think is like, okay, that's going to leave him for an extended period of time? That That is silky as hell. Yeah, no, it's, that's... It's not, He's not Justin Anderson shooting forty two percent over a over <laughs> no. a two week period. First of all, and second of all, I don't. I know there's a day coming when Dirk is going to be gone, mm-hmm. but even with Dirk gone, this team is always going to be able to generate open looks because their coach is very good. Yeah, like they may not be able to do quite what they've done in years past, but they're always going to feature an offense that will end up giving guys good looks. Like yeah. this team. Well, maybe not at the start of the year they were struggling on offense. There's going to be pockets. Well, that was different lineups like every night too. There's going to be pockets of times where Carlisle is at, at, under his regime where they're not playing well offensively, whatever. But for the most part, if Curry's a maverick, he's going to see a nice buffet of shots. Mm-hmm. There's just no reason to think that he can't like continue to score at close to this rate for the future, for the foreseeable future anyways. Yeah. And, I mean, I, I like him playing off-ball, obviously, and having the option of him being the secondary ball handler. But, man, I don't, I don't know if I need Devin or J.J. going forward. Like, I want, I want Seth Curry getting all those minutes. I need, I need that dude reaching his peak uh, and figuring out all his superpowers. Um, so, in the postgame last night, Rick said, uh, well, we're going to have to edit out one F-bomb already, so why not? I'll go ahead and read this. Um, he said, we're a shit team, but we're an underrated shit team. That's about as accurately as I can put it. And I was like, yeah, I'm saying. (laughs) It's pretty awesome. Yeah. And then, uh, (laughs) then, uh, uh, I guess Barkley had some comments last week about LeBron 
about LeBron crying or something. He says, uh, inappropriate, whiny, all of the above. The Cleveland Clav- Cavaliers, they have given him everything he wanted. They gave him the highest pe- payroll in NBA in NBA history. He wanted J.R. Smith last summer. They paid him. He wanted uh, Shump last summer. They brought in Korver. He's the best player in the world. Does he want all the good players? He doesn't want to compete. He's an amazing player. They're defending champs. And uh, last night, LeBron had about enough of it. And uh, he he ran straight through a mother effer's face yeah. <laughs> in the post game. Um, he starts out with, I collect one paycheck from this. I don't know what that has to do with anything, but I guess he he's saying that he's not the GM. Um, there's the owner, Griff, uh, the GM, I'm the player. Screw Charles Barkley. Uh, he says, I'm tired of biting my tongue. There's a new sheriff in town. He says, I'm the one... I'm here to win ball games and to take care of my teammates and take care of uh, my what's the word? Oh, posse. <laughs> shot, at, shot at Phil Jackson. <laughs> um, in regards to Charles, he says, I know he wanted to retire a long time ago, but he can't. He's stuck up there in the stage every week. Oh, gambling debts. <laughs> gambling dance, debts. Dance, boy, dance. That's uh, absurd. He says, and if this makes him want to, uh, and if this makes him want to talk to me, the schedule's out there. He knows every road arena I'll be in. Don't just come up to me at All-Star and shake my hand and smile. He says, go watch the 93 finals when John Paxson hit the shot. Barkley and Jordan were laughing and joking with each other during one of the games while somebody's shooting a free throw in the finals. But, oh, nobody was friends back then, huh? And then he wraps up with, uh, I'm not going to let him disrespect my legacy like that. I'm not the one who threw somebody through a window. I never spit on a kid. I never had unpaid debt in Las Vegas. I never said I'm not a role model. I never showed up to All-Star Weekend on Sunday because I was in Vegas all weekend partying. I've All I've done my for my entire career is represent the NBA the right way. 14 years, never got in trouble, respected the game. Print that. Oh. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's about as good as you're going to get. God, from, uh, some fuego. <laughs> I'm being pushed out of this production room. No worries. We can wrap it up anyway. We're at 20 minutes. You know what? I will say this, though. If anybody else in the Lockdown Network listens to this, if you get quotes like that, please put them on SoundCloud or something. Yeah, very Please, true. I need to hear the audio. I want to hear him saying there's a new sheriff in town because I need that as a drop. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I need to hear him say, I never spit on a kid. <laughs> it's amazing. All right. Well, uh, we'll be back with you tomorrow talking no, some kind of No mess. Embiid. No Embiid tomorrow. It's a what shame. What did you do? Why did you do this? I know, I know. All right, buddy. I'll talk to you. All right. Later. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.